0: MindSpark Podcast, your podcast to inspire change. My guest today is Rich Hua. Rich is a technology strategist and innovation evangelist, and he currently serves as the global head of Epic Leadership at AWS. His mission is to train Amazon's leaders in emotional intelligence and interpersonal dynamics, enabling them to lead with greater empathy, purpose, inspiration, and connection, hence Epic. Rich has spent decades training and mentoring people in leadership and interpersonal skills from CEOs to aspiring managers to early career professionals. He launched the Emotional Intelligence and Success Initiative at Amazon, and his team has trained over 150,000 Amazonians in emotional and social intelligence. His training is now an integral part of onboarding sales and leadership development programs across numerous parts of Amazon globally. Welcome, Rich. It's an honor to have you.
1: Thank you. It's uh, fantastic to be here. and It's an honor to be on your uh, podcast.
0: Thank you. I'm looking very much forward to the great insights you will share with us. I have to say, inside of Amazon, you're very famous. Everyone knows you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little fan moment here. So let's get started and tap into your brain. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. Let's do it.
0: Perfect. So let's get started how we can leverage EQ or emotional intelligence for success. Can you tell us a bit more about what it is, actually? And how can I, as a person or as a leader, leverage EQ for my personal, but also for my team success?
1: Yeah, um, so I'll begin with the definition, right, of emotional intelligence. And um, But before I even say that, the reality is this. We experience emotions almost all the time right? Uh, the research is found that we experience emotions 90 to hundred percent of our working day. That's a lot. And these emotions affect, that it is a lot, right? Um, even people who don't like realize it, they do, as long as they're a human being, which, you know, most employees are, right? But the fact is, um, it affects our decision-making, affects our relationships, our emotional and physical health, affects our creativity, and affects our performance. And so the set of emotions uh, are constantly in the background or the foreground impacting us. And emotional intelligence is taking that into account and using emotions intelligently. It's knowing how to have them work for us rather than against us, right? I think we can all imagine Have you ever just like totally lost it You know, where you got really angry or really afraid and did something that you instantly regretted. (laughs) Maybe you said something you thought, oh, I wish I could pull that back into my mouth. Uh, Or you did something and you thought, what on earth was I thinking? Why did I do that? And those things happen because we uh, lose our emotional intelligence for that moment. And so, as Mm. you can imagine, it can be very powerful in really everything we're trying to do at work because, you know, we're trying to be creative. We're trying to make good decisions. We're trying to influence other people. We're trying to get things done. And all those things are influenced by our emotions. And, uh, you know, Daniel Goleman, who's really in many ways the a person who brought emotional intelligence onto the world stage with his book uh, called Emotional Intelligence back in 1995, uh, he's found that in all kinds of jobs, EQ or emotional intelligence accounts for about two thirds of your long term success, whereas IQ accounts for about one third. Oh, wow. And yeah. I mean, it's it's large. Now, when it comes to leaders, it's even more. Uh, for leaders who obviously have to work with people and influence and motivate them, it's actually about 85% uh, of your success. And uh, so it really factors a lot into your um, your your success at work and also uh, personally, right? And so um, anyway, one of the things that I like to say at Amazon, right, in a lot of companies, we're very data driven, right? We like to use data a lot. And emotions are data. They're the things that we should really consider as part of how we make decisions because they're valuable data points that we have to consider.
0: Ah, So we just need to understand how to measure them and how to, I don't want to say control them, but find a way to co-create with them maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and the word I use is either manage them or um, regulate them in a healthy and productive way, right? And again, it's the intelligent use of emotions. So sometimes you do need to kind of manage it. Like if you're really, really angry at somebody, you don't want to just do the first thing that comes to mind,
0: (laughs) right? It It may not not be
1: very productive. (laughs) On the other hand, if you're feeling really sad because you just suffered a loss, it's actually healthy to let that out, maybe with a close friend, because that's actually part of being healthy. So again, it's the intelligent use of emotions. Sometimes let it out. Sometimes you need to manage it more and sort of, you know, regulate but it's based on the situation what's going to actually be helpful for us to achieve our goals and also benefit other people.
0: Yeah. How do I know and decide between what is helpful and not helpful? Do you have a tip here?
1: I do. Um, you know, the, the, the real issue is what are our goals, right? Uh, what are long-term goals and what are short-term goals? And when it comes to emotional intelligence, it's really understanding what is my goal and then knowing what to do with my emotions so I can achieve that goal, right? And uh, I'll give you an example. Um, Let's say you're leading a sales kickoff or a team meeting, and your goal is to motivate and inspire people. Well, emotions you probably want to project are enthusiasm, optimism, excitement, uh, passion. I mean, those are very helpful. On the other hand, let's say you're about to go talk to a friend who just suffered a loss. Somebody that was close to them maybe got sick or even you know, worse, passed away. That same enthusiasm, excitement, and optimism are probably not going to be that helpful in that situation. You probably want to be more of an empathetic, uh, maybe even a bit sad, um, you know, and, and more of a pensive emotional state. So again, it depends on the goals that you have. And so whenever I go into interactions with the people, I actually try to think, um, you know, what do I want to accomplish? And what would actually help me with that from an emotional perspective? And do I want to stay with this emotion because it's going to be helpful? Or do I want to possibly shift the emotion because something else might be more helpful?
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. And can you tell us a bit more how to shift these emotions?
1: Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of research here and I could go on this for a long, long time. Um, but a, a lot of times when people want to shift, it's generally from something that's unpleasant or a little negative to something that's more positive. That's generally, uh, or they want to downregulate some really intense emotions that may not be super helpful. Right. Um, so for example, they might want to move away from being anxious or afraid into something that's more, um, you know, positive, uh, optimistic, um, you know, that kind of thing, or maybe they're really angry or, and they want to, you know, downregulate that. So, um, I will say a couple of my most popular techniques that are shared at Amazon. One is breathing that emotions are actually felt in our body before we actually even recognize a lot of times. So if we have an intense emotion like anger or fear or anxiety, one of the most powerful ways is essentially to take some deep breaths. And the key is to actually have our exhale be longer than our inhale. Because if we do that, we activate our parasympathetic nervous system, which is just a fancy word for the rest and digest system. And that basically downregulates intense emotions uh, and also, by the way, reduces our heart rate and our blood pressure. So it's actually good for us from a physiological point of view. So that's actually something I've taught all across Amazon. Uh, there's a, there's a technique used by the US Navy Seals called box breathing that accomplishes uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Where you know where you breathe in for a four count, you hold it for a four count, you breathe out for a four count, and you keep it out for a four count. And if you do that just for a minute or two, you absolutely feel the difference. You feel more calm because your body actually is more calm. <laughs> Definitely. So That's a big one.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I, I started breathing or, I mean, I've always been breathing, but I started doing these (laughs) exercises (laughs) about a year ago and I can really feel the difference that it helps you to get away from the stress response. So, but I will definitely try also the box, box breathing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I, you know, I, and my team have delivered these uh, emotional intelligence talks all across Amazon uh, I think the current number is now about 160,000 people, as well as uh, actually tens of thousands of customers. So we've done it internally uh, and externally. Um, and that has probably been the single most popular thing people have brought up. Like it's so easy to do. And have you ever had those days where you're, your hair is on fire and you're just running from one meeting to another, to another, to another? You're like, oh my gosh, I can barely think. What I suggest to people is try to find a two minute gap in between your meetings. Yeah. Either you leave a meeting two minutes early Or if it's not rude, maybe you join the next meeting two minutes late and you just take some time and do some breathing.
0: And I guarantee
1: you will be more productive in that 28 minutes after calming yourself than 30 minutes with your hair on fire trying to figure out what you're doing. So Definitely. And you might
0: be even more productive. So these two minutes might be a very good investment of your time. What, from, yes. what I hear from you, Rich, this sounds like a big shift also in leadership because I think EQ, emotional intelligence have not been topics that leaders were speaking about maybe 10 years ago. So I think there's a lot of culture hacking that not only you, but also all the EQ evangelists have been doing. What do you think is, is the next trend or is this still quite new for some leaders? Do you think you have reached... Already enough to make this a common practice.
1: Yeah. um, So I would say, you know, what what what's basically happening is there has been over the past several decades, and especially over the past couple of years, a seismic shift in how leaders approach leadership. Right, and the reality is, if you look at leadership theory, I was actually just talking to Matt Lippincott, who's um, the co-founder of the Goldman Consulting Group with Dan Goldman. <laughs> so I interviewed him yesterday at Amazon, and he was sharing about leadership theory, and that a lot of leadership theory over the past hundred years has come from World War One military leadership, right? You know, General Pershing kind of thing, and it's command and control. It's like somebody yeah. at the top tells other people to do something; they tell people, and it's very much this top-down structure. And obviously, over the past decades, that has shifted, but there's still a lot of that running around in corporate America, right? Not only in corporate
0: Um, America.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, corporate everywhere. Yes, corporate world. I happen to be in America, but it's the corporate world at large. And so it has taken decades to even recognize there are other models that are actually more effective. And several things have happened that have made a change or evolution absolutely essential. One of them is this thing called the pandemic. We all went through it, where people started thinking very heavily about their well-being, their goals, what really uh, motivates them, empathy being something that's yeah. really, really important for people to, you know, get from their leadership. Um, the second is the newer uh, generations that are joining the workforce now. You know, it's no longer sort of you know, baby boomers, Gen X, you know, that kind of thing that we're like, okay, let's just suck it up and make it happen. <laughs> there's definitely much more of a hey let's let's be authentic let's talk about our full self let's you know be more inclusive so there's and that in, you know involves empathy in a pretty major way as well um and you know just the shifting landscape we all heard of the great resignation the great reshuffle whatever you want to call it people now have more of a sense of i want to do something that's meaningful to me and that ties in with my passions and my actual values not just get a paycheck So all this and together, basically kind of land in one spot, which is leaders have to have empathy as they lead their people and understand what they're thinking and feeling, or there's no way they're going to be able to motivate them, inspire them, retain them and, you know, uh, help, help them be high, you know, get really the sort of highest performing sense out of a team.
0: Definitely. I can relate a lot to it, maybe because I'm part of the millennial generation that is enjoying the shift in leadership. Because I've seen if it's done right and you have a team that is empowered and it feels psychologically safe and where people show empathy, it's just a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved what you were saying about the pandemic and how also topics like mental health, burnout and so on. Yeah, we're not a taboo anymore because people started to talk about the things that are actually affecting let's say half or even more than half of the population globally what is your take on the connection between eq and burnout in the workplace rich
1: yeah uh, there's a very very close connection because again emotional intelligence has to do with knowing how to have emotions work for us rather than against us and burnout is essentially a psychological you know it's it's an emotional it's a mental and it's a physical challenge that happens um, because of, of various things, but one of the big ones is just overwork, right? Uh, we're, we're overworking, mm-hmm. we're expending too much energy and we're not taking enough time to recover, um, you know, ourselves. And it, it is primarily a mental emotional thing that then, you know, sort of can also affect our, ourselves physiologically. Right. And, and the reason I'll say that's because why do we overwork, right? A lot of times it's because of anxiety right Mm -hmm. we are anxious about our job we're anxious about what people are going to think about us we're anxious about a lot of things and if we're not aware of what's driving that then we can't do anything about it we think we have to do something i absolutely have no control but we actually have more control than we realize um and so that's one part of it and the other part of it is our frame of mind like research has found that um you know whether or not you have more of a positive optimistic bent. Versus a negative pessimistic bent absolutely affects your body and your resilience and your ability to handle stress, right? Uh, Because as we overwork, uh, both mentally, emotionally, and and, and also physically, stressors actually affect our body. So our ability to deal with stress and our resilience uh, have a lot to do with whether or not we get burned out. And so uh, I talk about one of the most beautiful ways to increase our stress resilience. Uh, by increasing our positivity. And it's so simple, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's basically to be grateful.
0: Ooh, I love that. I do my gratefulness exercise every evening. And (laughs) yeah, it's important.
1: (laughs) I, I love it. And did you know that actually makes you more resilient and makes you stave off burnout? Because as we take time every day, and it could be journaling every night, you know, writing down three things you're grateful for that happened during the day, it could be around the dinner table, you know, sharing about things you're grateful for. You know, if you, if you live with other people, it could be your team meetings, giving people a chance to share gratitude, whatever it is, having some kind of regular practice actually increases our positivity because it trains our brain to recognize things around us to be more grateful for during the day. And that in turn elevates our positivity. And what's actually amazing is that, um, Boston university and Harvard actually did a study where they found that positive or optimistic people have an 85, have a 50% greater chance of living past 85 years old than pessimists oh, do. Wow. Oh, uh, wow. because you actually have your body be healthier when you're generally more positive. And that's because negativity causes more inflammation in your body because of elevated cortisol and all that stuff. So there's a lot of physiology behind it, but let's just say being grateful and working on being, you know, more optimistic actually really does help us uh, stave off burnout.
0: Definitely. I I read some research some time ago that people who thought stress is good for them because it helps them achieve their best, have similar, better health values and all the checkups and also tend to live longer than people who think oh no I'm stressed this is dangerous for my body because then kind of where where the focus goes energy flows in a way
1: yeah yeah and you made a yeah uh, you made a great point Kelly McGonigal actually has a really uh, popular TED talk called how to make stress your friend I highly recommend it and she actually cites that research that people who think stress is bad for you you actually die earlier but people who think it's it's good or it's okay um, And I will say this, it's because everything in emotional intelligence and really life, if you think about it, is about balance, right? It's not, no, no thing is good or bad all the time, right? It's really about balancing things out. So like, for instance, food and water, generally pretty good until you eat or drink too much, (laughs) right? And so it's balancing it out. You don't want to eat too little. You don't want to eat too much, right? Right. Uh, Same with uh, things like emotions, same with things like empathy, same with things like stress, you don't want too little, and you're bored, but then you don't want too much, uh, because then you're like freaked out right and so it's knowing how to have that work together that's really powerful and, and and on that note I will say, um, you know. Being positive does not mean everything is positive, okay? I do want to make that note. This is not toxic positivity. Being a Pollyanna, you only feel happy. Okay, that's not real. We're going to feel productive things like grief over loss, disappointment over opportunities that were missed, or sadness because a loved one is feeling sad, or anger over injustice. Those are all actually very healthy and appropriate. What we don't want to do is be pulled into a negative vortex because we don't balance it out. So it's not yeah. all good, it's also not all bad, it's a balance.
0: And it's also about regulation. Yes, Nice, a lot, of, right. a lot of wisdom nuggets, Rich. But now what can we do if we want to lead with empathy and inspiration? Can you share some of the benefits that I will have as a leader if I try? And also what are the key behaviors, how I can do this, if I, if I want to start, if I want to get going? when I say, okay, Rich had a good point. How do I do this now?
1: Yeah. Um, so I will say one kind of a couple of main things, right? One is that um, as a leader, really what employees are looking for is they want um, leaders who will inspire them. And that includes high expectations and caring. Um, Adam Grant has this great thing called a tough love matrix of leadership and parenting. <laughs> And he says, there's high or low expectations, high or low care. And he says, if you have high expectations and low care, you're demanding. But if you have high expectations and high care, you're inspiring, right? Who wants to work for a demanding leader that doesn't care about them, right? I mean, you don't. Uh, Difficult. Um, Yeah, exactly. And so if you want to actually retain people, if you want to attract talent and you want to actually help them perform at their highest levels, this idea of empathy absolutely is critical. Right, because that care, that empathy, that is what makes you inspiring versus just demanding. Um, and, and on the other side, you know, research has found that when there's high empathy on a team, that's the core of what you mentioned earlier, psychological safety. And essentially, psychological safety just means people actually are, you know, feel like they can be themselves, they can take risks, they can say things that are either you know off the beaten path or come up with wild and nutty new ideas or admit mistakes and they're not gonna be punished, right? Like people actually trying yeah. to help each other and they trust each other and empathy is the core of that. Um, research has found that higher empathy, higher psychologically safe teams also have higher IQ, meaning they're smarter because they share more information with each other. They're more willing to put out um, you know, uh, uh, basically radical ideas that might wind up being the best idea. Uh, and there's also more creativity because you know they're not like afraid all the time of putting themselves out there. So for all those reasons, you actually wind up having a higher IQ, uh, IQ which obviously increases performance and morale at the same time.
0: I love this point because especially in this VUCA environment in which we live now, like volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and yeah. ambiguity, you need teams like that, that overshare, that trust each other, because otherwise how can you come up with a fast new innovative solution i think that's the foundation yes. for modern leadership and also high performance of the future from my perspective
1: yeah absolutely and um and it's interesting because one of the things i like to say is you know when people hear the word psychological safety or the phrase they may f- they may immediately think oh that's some you know sort of warm fuzzy sort of concept you know you're sitting around a campfire holding hands and <laughs> singing kumbaya or something and it is not at all right i mean google did uh research on engineering teams marketing teams sales teams called project aristotle and they found that the highest performing teams versus the lowest performing teams the biggest difference was psychological safety and one of the uh examples i love to use is the u.s navy seals right they really do have a sense of we are constantly admitting our mistakes we're constantly trying to support each other we're constantly trying to you know, talk about ideas that may help us accomplish the mission. And, you know, no one would accuse them of being, you know, sort of warm and fuzzy, right? They're out there doing some of the most dangerous stuff in the world, but there is absolutely this idea of high expectations and we care. And so, uh, you know, it's been shown across all many, many, many fields that this is really the way to go.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's all about trust in the end, especially if, if one decision or trusting your team member, might mean that your other team member survives or not in in a critical situation in this environment. So why not apply some of these tools like psychological safety also to the workplace? I hope it's not a life death decision usually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we've seen that you get to the best results. If you share, if you feel safe to share. Good. Let's shift gears a bit. And I, want to ask a very important question about how to start a positive workplace revolution. So you're now head of the Epic Leadership Program that stands for empathy, purpose, inspiration, and connection, basically a summary of everything that we spoke about. And you've built up a strong community around EQ. You've trained over 160,000 people inside organization, outside customers. I would love to know how you got started because I I would expect that this is a long journey. There might have been some walls you hit your head against to get EQ on the agenda of leadership. And yeah, what is the advice that you would give to change agents or people that think, oh, I have this concept. I really want to push it in my organization because it's, it's important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um- So uh, there's so many things that I could say here. We could literally spend hours talking about uh, this, but (laughs) I I will say there are some, I think, basic principles that are really important. Um, As a bit of a level set. So um, I've been at Amazon for about five and a half years. Um, I spent the first year as a seller and I spent the next four as the global business development leader for Aurora database. Uh, And only recently did I move into this role as worldwide head of Epic. During my time as the uh, Aurora, you know, database lead, I started this idea of trying to help people develop their emotional intelligence. And uh, I started by basically giving some talks locally to people around me because I've been training people in it for, you know, uh, about a decade or so before that. Um, And then, uh, you know, I started basically giving bigger and bigger talks and I finally got to give one at our sales kickoff in Las Vegas back in 2019. And what happened was that I, I basically gave this idea of let's talk about emotional intelligence. And this is something that's never been talked about internally. Like people are like, what is that goofy idea? But hey, let's try it out. And see it's if non-technical. Anybody shows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Much of it is very technical. And so the, the sort of powers that be thought, let's give this guy a chance and see if anybody shows the first talk. And they put me in a room for 185 people. And the day before the talk, they called me up and said, oh my goodness, so many people signed up for it, tapped on it in your in the app. We have to move you to bigger room. And they put me in a room for a thousand people
0: oh, wow. and it wound up
1: being standing room only. People literally are turned away at the door. And I realized at that moment, okay, there's something here. I think there's something that's meeting a need that people are, that's really resonating with the population and my colleagues, right? Awesome. Um, and so uh, I did it again at the next go. And basically what happened was a whole bunch of people came up and said, we want to join you. We want to help you spread this around Amazon. This is like really amazing. I had tapped into their passion, their drive, their motivation. And so fast forward, and now we have a team of 400 EQ champions around the world, all across all parts of Amazon. And they're all passionate about practicing, growing in and spreading emotional intelligence skills. And as a subset of that, we have several dozen EQ evangelists, uh, who basically are certified to deliver uh, EQ talks around Amazon, which I know you're, you know, you're, you're uh, interested in that as well, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, but so they've all helped me. So I'd say some concepts are start small, start today. Um, you know, share with your sphere of influence the things you think will help them. Uh, my sphere of influence at the beginning was my my office in San Francisco. It was like a few hundred people. And I volunteered to give a talk that would benefit others. Uh, And then it grew from there. The second concept is think big, but like I said, it starts small. Yeah, I mean, you can think about, I want to do something galactic, but you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, And my third concept is always offer value. Give people things that help them and, you know, uh, are valuable and beneficial. Like, I think one of the big challenges people have is they have a passion for something and they talk about it, but no one really cares. Like, okay, I mean, that's great. You're passionate. You have to have empathy and go, how does my passion tie in with what you actually care about so that you'll listen? And so, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've thought a lot about what are people looking for, right? During the pandemic, resilience, preventing burnout, leaders want to be more effective, People want to be happier. I mean, there's all these things that we can address. And so people can understand that, okay, this is something that's going to bring me value and benefit. Um, and I'll tell you, one of the things I, I, you know, first of all, so many of the great ideas I've gotten were really from my EQ community. Like I, I'm just kind of doing stuff, but uh, I'm not the smartest person by, by any stretch. A lot of really smart people around me are like, hey, you should start a Slack channel. Hey, you should send out, a, 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 you know, articles. Hey, you should like have a wiki. Hey, you should you know certify other evangelists. I'm like, sounds great, thanks. And and we work on it together. And all these things have really spread it. So, I'd say the other concept is build a community. Don't try to do it on your own. Find people who are believers who will help you basically, um, you know, propagate the ideas and really help other people, um, you know, join in on the benefit that you're you're providing. Um, And so one final thing I will say that's actually been kind of amazing. I didn't even realize what a big deal it was. You know, I'm actually, I've been doing public speaking for decades. So I don't expect everyone to get up there and deliver talks like I do. Okay. That would just be um, an unreasonable ask. But one thing I did that actually I think has had even more impact has been, I started sending out articles on a weekly basis that I thought would benefit people. I read a lot. And so I would basically take articles and go, hey, you might like this article, too. So I started a distribution list called the Emotional Intelligence and Success List. And it started with a few people. And now it's got like a community of 50,000 people who basically read my stuff. And I send stuff out every day now. (laughs) And I regularly get response like, this changed my life. This has made such a huge difference. Thank you so much. This has made this impact personally or professionally. I have no idea all the people I'm impacting. I'm just sharing articles I feel like have helped me and that I think would help them also. And unbeknownst to me, I've had people say, this is literally the number one perk I have at Amazon, even though it's not even an official perk. It's just being on your email list. And so anybody <laughs> could do that. You don't have to be a yeah. great speaker. You don't have to be super charismatic. You can just, again give people value and if you build it they will come
0: awesome awesome a lot of great advice rich and also something that i was hearing was you focused on your passion and through just doing things that you loved everything else fell into place around you you found people that support you and i think that that's also maybe a key differentiator that if you have the passion there people can sense it
1: yeah yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and, you know, you take that passion and then you couple it with the empathy, where you understand how it can actually benefit others. And then you have this thing called influence, right? I love it. And being able to influence other people is quite powerful. Um, and and, and, and that's the sort of uh, maybe addition I'd make to what you said, because there are plenty of passionate people out there that no one listens to. And that's because they're just thinking about themselves. You can't just think about yourself. You have to go, I'm really passionate about this, but this is how it's going to actually tie into what other people want benefit from. And then you get that community and you get that influence.
0: Awesome. Awesome, Rich. Usually as a last question, I always ask my guests because I believe that change comes from taking action. If there is any advice or learning that you can share with the listeners that they can practice straight away, maybe you have a morning routine or some secret sauce, secret exercise that helped you <laughs> to become a better version of yourself and increase your impact. Is there something else? I, I know you shared a, a lot of golden nuggets with us, wisdom nuggets, but yeah, anything else that, that you practiced that made a difference?
1: Yeah, I would actually say fundamentally, I heard a, uh, I heard a speech from... Um, you know, Lou Holtz, the winningest, uh, you know, one of the winningest college uh, football coaches from Notre Dame of years ago. And he said, the two things that will impact your life the most are the books you read and the people you know. And so if I were to part with any thought, I would say that for me, the two main things that have impacted me the most are reading high quality books that challenge my thinking and help me to grow. Obviously, a lot of them around the emotional intelligence realm. And then having good people around me who are willing to encourage me, support me, but also give me honest feedback. And uh, some would call them loving critics, people who love me and care about me, but are willing to tell me the truth so that I can be a better version of myself. And it's a reality that there's no painless way to change and be better. Like you're going to have to deal with things that feel painful and have the intelligence emotionally to continue to move forward even when you feel those things so you can actually grow. So books, reading good books, having good people around you uh, who are willing to tell you the honest truth and support you, those to me are really the fundamentals of, of becoming the best version of ourselves.
0: Awesome. I feel very inspired from our conversation, Rich. Is there any last words that you want to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah. Um, the final thing I'd say is every one of us can grow And our emotional intelligence, and our empathy, and our inspiration. Um, These are a set of skills, and it doesn't matter where you started. Uh, I I, I will dare say that I started very, very low in emotional intelligence for my first 20 years of my life. No one would have ever accused me of having any of it, but (laughs) I've worked at it over time, and I've dramatically grown these areas to the point that I'm on this podcast right now. So I want everyone to know you can become more emotionally intelligent, you can become more empathetic, you can become more of that version of yourself. And in fact, that is what the point of life is, according to Oprah Winfrey. uh, The the goal of our life is to actually continually grow so we can become the best version. So you can do it, anybody can. And uh, I just want to encourage people with that thought.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Rich, for taking the time and being here. I loved our conversation. And yeah, I hope to see you soon and some more exciting newsletters coming my way from you and the team
1: you bet awesome it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me on your podcast
0: mindspark podcast your podcast to inspire change don't forget to dream big and have impact it's a journey if you like my work you can leave me a good rating and share this episode with friends and colleagues or whoever would benefit from this mindspark and follow mindspark on instagram under mindspark.academy Take care and see you for the next episode.